Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. Excited to be here with you all this week. And if you're listening live, uh, you're probably wondering where I was last week. We had Hurricane Dorian here through Florida, and the station was offline doing emergency services stuff. Thankfully, it passed us, but to those out in the Bahamas and anywhere affected by the storm, our, our prayers and thoughts are with you all. And we're back here in Vero Beach, and I've got an amazing, amazing guest with you, and I'm so excited. I finally got her on the show. She's somebody that guided me a little bit at the beginning of my um, career as an author, and I've followed her for quite a long time ever since then, reading everything she ever puts out because she's just totally, totally brilliant and a wonderful human being as well. I've got uh, Jane Ubell Meyer on the show today, founder of Bedside Reading and so much more, and we're going to be talking book marketing and entrepreneurship and reinvention. So, Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura. Pleasure to be here, and I'm so excited to finally get to be on your show after so many years of um, connecting with you and knowing you. You know, it's really funny because I was going through it, and I'm like, I've never had a Jane on? How could I have never had Jane on the show? <laughs> well, here we are, so I think that uh, maybe it's just timing. So I now, maybe now I have, finally have something to say. Oh, you've always had stuff to say. <laughs> That's nothing I've ever worried about with you. Now, we first met at an Author 101 event that Rick Frischman ran years ago. Oh, my God. And you, you spoke and you had a, a booth there, and I just remember going, this is somebody I need to stay in touch with because you've had such a varied career. I mean, you are one of these queens of reinvention. I am. It's been, I think now, um, so when I started my career, I actually started uh, at Good Morning America and went on to, uh, I started Regis in New York and went to Entertainment Tonight and produced a couple of movies, came back to New York from LA, came back to New York and I had a show that I created for the Wall Street Journal TV station and then I got into PR a little bit. And then I went into the world of celebrity gifting. And interestingly enough, part of the celebrity gifting, we always placed books in the celebrity gift bags. And we did gift bags for Oscar and Emmy and Golden Globe nominees and winners. And I did that for 16 full years. And in 2017, my best friend, Noreen, passed away, and it kind of shocked me to my core. And that often happens with people when they have a tragedy in their life. Something happens, and they wake up one day, and they say, you know what? I'm not happy. And what can I do to really what, – what's my passion? I mean, I didn't even know what my passion was. All I knew was, my, you know, Noreen passed away. I'm not happy, and i got to figure it out. And so literally I went into a deep funk and I meditated, and I prayed, and I spoke to Noreen every day from the other side, which I believe in, and I said, okay, Noreen, show me the way. What am I going to do? And I 
came back to the one thing that always made me really happy, which is working with authors. And I said, well, what can I do with authors? And I remember when I was at Good Morning America years ago, one of the uh, bookers, the author bookers, was a woman named Roberta. And Roberta, every day, she would get packages of amazing books from Simon & Schuster and Random House and all the big publishers. And I was always secretly jealous. And I always said, why can't those books come to me? And so out of that memory, and another memory that I had was um, when I was 20, uh, or 21 or 22, I had a boyfriend who was a scuba diver. And he once said to me, if you learn how to scuba dive, I'll take you to the Caribbean scuba diving. So, of course, like a 20-year-old, what do you do when, a, when you have this boyfriend that does something? You jump into it. And I went to the YMCA in New York City, and I learned how to scuba dive. And we went to the most beautiful island, St. Martin. And we go to this gorgeous suite, and he opens the door, and he turns to me, and he goes, you know, Jane, I really like you, but I'm not into you. <laughs> and I was devastated. But the one thing that saved me was that my stepmother, Marcia, had given me a book to read, and it was called Cry to Heaven by Anne Rice. And I had this glorious book with me, and I dove right into the book, and I spent seven days with this book, and I loved every minute of it. So I always remembered take a book with you to a hotel on vacation when you travel because you never know if you're going to be stuck without something to read. And the combination of going back to the idea of Roberta from Good Morning America not getting books all day long, somehow it clicked. And I put the two thoughts together and I went, oh, my goodness, what if we created, I created a program where I placed books in luxury hotels? So I did. I actually picked up the phone. I called Mandarin Oriental in New York, and I said, what would you think about me placing, you know, fabulous best-selling books by the bedside in luxury hotels? And they said, yes, of course. And then one hotel that was August 15th, 2017, and I still believe Noreen from the other side is my business partner, so it kind of comforts me. And people think I'm insane, but that's okay. I love it. Who cares? I'm a huge believer. My mom's birthday is Saturday, and she'll be gone two years. And I talk to her all the time, and I feel her. So I totally get it. Great. So I love that. And so with Noreen's guidance from the other side, with this passion of helping authors, so think about this. An author gets to be in the room by the bedside on the nightstand, and who's going to those rooms? We have VIPs, we have celebrities, we have CEOs, we have influencers, we have decision makers. So that's why, if you think about the best word of mouth, you want the people that are sophisticated, that are staying at these five-star hotels, reading your book. And that's what we did. That's what I started doing in 2017, August 15th. And my first book, believe it or not, was Salman Rushdie's book, The Golden House. And Kelly Corrigan's Tell Me More. So if you can imagine my first, you know, hotel, which is the Mandan Oriental, New York, and my first books are two of the best-selling authors, I mean, it's a home run. And then I said, well, what more can I add value? What other value can I add to the author? And I decided that, you know what, what does the author need? The author also needs media attention. So I partnered up with Women's World and First for Women and Hollywood Weekly and a whole slew of magazines, 
and they give me space so that I can write about the books or showcase the books as either giveaways or columns. And so my path now is to offer books to media outlets so that they, I can share my clients' authors, their books with them, which helps the media outlets because I'm providing content. It helps the authors because I'm getting visibility to their, uh, for their books and as well as partnering with the hotels. And then I said, you know what I need? I need the hotels to promote the books. <laughs> so now I have my hotels, bless you, promoting my books on their social media platforms. So it's kind of now, I looked at what I'm doing, a layered approach, which is an interesting segue into book marketing. And I have learned so much, you could choke a horse. Crazy. Okay, so so let's take a step back there because you just unpacked so much stuff in there. And I know my listeners are saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, Jane's doing it and it's Salman Rushdie, it's uh, the author from Educated, it's all these top books that are already being promoted at highest levels by the publishers, New York Times bestseller. How does that translate to perhaps somebody that doesn't have a you behind them? And I know they can get a you behind them. But what do they do if they don't have that push, that tribe? So, first of all, what a great question. So the first thing about book marketing that I've learned is that you have to build your audience on Instagram. That's number one. You must have an Instagram, uh, you know, uh, account, and you must start promoting your book by giving information about, you know, things that you're passionate about, talking about the book, following other authors. So that's the first thing. But I just okay, want to well, go back I'm for one. Okay, because I've, like, barely done anything with my Instagram. Well, you need – so let me just tell you something. We have a client – I have a client, Natalie Banks. It's called Official Natalie Banks. She's an incredible author, and she's an independent author, and she has about 13.5 thousand followers on Instagram, and in 20 months, she sold 10,000 books. Wow. And this is a fiction writer, which is, this is not a self-help or a business book, fiction writer, so that's kind of interesting. And what she said to me was that it's all about get, being engaged. It's a slow, slow path. But ultimately, be consistent every day. It pays off. I'll tell you something else. I want to talk about the independent author because so many of us have books sitting on our computers that we've never published for whatever reasons, right? Right. Or you, you, or you go to CreateSpace or Amazon or you go to a hybrid and you create, you publish a book. And then, but you're not, you don't have the power or the muscle behind you like Random House does or HarperCollins or any of the other major publishers. Well, and even so, if you do manage to get HarperCollins or Penguin or somebody, but you're a newer author, they're not necessarily going to do the same push that they would with somebody that's more established either. That's right. So it all depends upon the marketing budget. And I do not know how they determine those, but here's what I'm going to tell every independent author. Creating a bestseller, you can buy it. You can actually pay people which I don't recommend, but you can pay people to become a bestseller. And that, to me, is only by saying it allows you to spend a whole lot of money 
and then you get to say to people, I'm a bestseller. But what you really want to do is you really want to start engaging with potential fans. How do you do it? You have to think of this book marketing first as, excuse me, first as a business and second as a layer cake. So my, when I was growing up, my favorite layer cake was a seven layer cake. So I look at my, my business. If I have a book and each book, I look at that book. What, how many layers do I need to help that author get to the next level? So the first layer I always tell everybody is you, a, you need to get followers. So you do have to go on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook, and you do have to start promoting your book. And you have to start engaging with other authors. So that's important. The second layer is traditional media. What does that mean? That means somehow you have to reach out, and there are many different ways to do this. You have to reach out to um, online. A lot of online magazines, they, what do they need? They need content. So as a professional in whatever you've written, you can always respond to somebody else's online articles. And I do this on LinkedIn all the time. I do this for anybody that's written a book. And if I can relate to the book and add value in a conversation, it helps get the name of my clients or my name out there. Another layer is what I call um, book placement. So what does that mean? You know, years ago when, let's say, Dwayne Reed or um, Johnson & Johnson had a new product that comes out, and they still do this, they give away free samples. It's really important to do giveaways because they, people know that when they do giveaways, and I can't remember which book it was, but I know that there was a, um, could be a St. Martin's book, I'm not really sure, but they gave away 4,000 copies to make it a big word-of-mouth, big hit. And so the more that you can afford to give away, honestly, you should be doing that because the more people that read your book and love your book, the more they're going to talk about it, and it does ultimately translate into high word-of-mouth and eventually sales. But it that's, does that's tend- interesting because I remember I went to a show once, and due to – shipping issues, my books didn't arrive till just before the event ended. And I had had like four cases shipped because I normally, when I have a back of the room booth, when I'm keynoting, the books just sell. And because of it, I had all these extra books and I'm going, oh my God, all right, I'm just going to throw them in a suitcase I had and, and carry them. But then of course they wanted to charge me overweight luggage. Right. So I'm sitting there going, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? And they're like, well, if each book weighs this, you know, if you can get 20 books out of the bag, then you're fine. And they're like, just leave them. Because it was going to be like like $100. <laughs> and right. there was no shipping at the airport. So you know what I did? I took those 20 books and I passed them out at the airport and just gifted them to people at the airport. That's fabulous. Great idea. And Actually. people were, like, scurrying over, and there were flight attendants going, but you didn't give me one. So I ended up giving away, like, 40 books instead of the 20 that I needed to leave. And people, like, my email address and everything was in the book, and people reached out because they were so excited, and they talked about the book. And my book was being carried everywhere in the airport. Isn't that fantastic? So think about that visually. You have people walking around holding your book. So isn't that the best advertising that you can get? 
which is why we promote books in hotels. We want people reading the book by the pool. We want people reading the book by the lobby, in the lobby. We want people carrying the book to on when they're traveling. It's the same kind of concept. I do believe very much in doing giveaways because when I was in the celebrity gifting business, that was our business. We got people, and we, of course, we gave it to big celebrities. Now, these celebrities weren't going to be talking about it or they, they weren't going to do selfies with the product, but we knew that when you have influencers with a book or a product and they like it, it can translate into more sales, more awareness um, later on. It may not be immediate, but it does work. And I have to tell you, we've had examples of people in hotels where they took the book and three or five months later, they'll call the company and say, hey, do you want to be a keynote speaker or can we bring you in for consulting? It happens all the time. It may not happen immediately, but if the book is inspiring and the book speaks to that recipient, then it's the first step to getting a gig. And you know what? I I once saw the play Hamilton. I was very lucky, and I thought, and there's a song in the play called You Need to Be in the, uh, I Want to Be in the Room Where It Happens. And that is one of those inspirations for me. I want my books or my clients' books to be in the room where it happens. Because if you're not in the room, in that real estate, which is extremely valuable, you can't, by the way, can you imagine calling up the Waldorf story and say, I want to put my book in your room. They're going to say, get out of here. You're insane. Right. I have that. I have been lucky enough to create those relationships. And now they trust me to put the right books in their rooms. And that's what I do. But you need to be in the room. You need to play in that room in order to even be considered for the next gig. Okay, so and how does somebody who doesn't have your connections yet or is just starting out, whether they are independent or otherwise, how do they begin to formulate where they need to do their giveaway? Okay, so that's a really great question. So if you have to think about it, if you're a business leader, consultant, you have to figure out who is your targeted market. Are you consulting for corporations that are maybe their corporations are based in uh, Chicago, right? And that's where your bread and butter is. And you need to be in hotels or in the airport or in the places where people congregate that are your exact demographic. Don't be afraid to go to a Starbucks in a neighborhood. Let's say you're um, there's a, a corporation in Chicago and there's a coffee shop where everybody goes to, go there with the books. Give them away. That's okay. I mean, we don't do that. We are in five-star luxury hotels uh, and different kinds of places that uh, – my program is really organized, and it's really well thought out, and we have a system. But if you don't have a system and you only have your books, go to the places where your targeted demographic resides. Where do they play? Where are they hanging out? Go there. Same thing in online. When you think about it, if you know that your um, people are hanging out on Facebook or they're hanging out someplace else, it's okay to spend a little money and start promoting and selling or buying advertising 
where the, those people are hanging out. And of course, now with Facebook, and you can really niche it down and focus on your targeted demographic, what they, how much money they make, where do they live, what are their interests. I mean, that's another way, another path. For me, we haven't done Facebook marketing. The only thing that we've ever done is really promoted our author's books on Instagram just as an experiment. And what we've learned is that when you have a post, a static post, it does okay. But when you have a short little eight-second video, that really rocks. And we notice that all the time. So if you want to get attention, make it short little eight-second, ten-second video. Nobody has time anymore to, to watch longer than 30 seconds. And start playing around with that and start getting that little video out in different uh, areas. Okay. Laura, wait, I just want to say something. Sure. Years, years ago when we first met, I spoke about authors and sponsorships. I don't know if you remember that. That's what I, I was do. speaking about. And I had all my at, book giveaways sponsored. There you, see now, tell us about that. That's interesting. <laughs> well, because I didn't want to front the money for giving away my books. So I arranged for a sponsor who had wanted to get to my target audience and they paid for all of my book giveaways and I put a um, a tip in page or a book plate in with the sponsor's information. Perfect. So and that's another thing to think about. When you write a book, your book is a business. Sometimes people write a book to for a lead generator. You know, they want to get leads for their businesses. Some people write books to give out information. But no matter what reason, a book is a business. It takes money to do marketing. And I always advise people that if you're going to write a book, before you even write a book, make a list of potential companies, sponsors, whether it's local, your local yogurt place or dry cleaners, or whether it's or, or even Home Depot, um, or uh, big corporations, because you want to make sure that somebody else can be in your corner giving you advice, selling your book, giving you money, or paying for your travel, whatever that is. You, need, you can't do it alone in this world. You need a marketing partner. And the best marketing partner is a company who sees the value of your book, and maybe they'll even buy your book wholesale and give it away as gifts for the holidays to their their clients. So I always believe in sponsorships for authors. It's one of the most important things that an author can do because everything that I do costs money. My clients pay me a fee. It's not a lot of money considering everybody else out there, but people need to get paid for what they do and you need to have a, a partner that can help finance that uh, journey. It's so critical, especially when you're just starting out and you're not having a marketing budget from your publisher. We're getting close to the, the national news break at the bottom of the hour, but a question, follow-up question with the whole book giveaway thing. Is there a wrong way to do a book giveaway? No. Well, you know, hold on, yes. So here's here's I would never advise leaving a bunch of books on a counter, you know, unless you're leaving the books on a counter at a corporation. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if you can do that, but that could be a fun thing to do. 
You don't want to leave a book on it because somebody can come and just throw them away. You really need to figure out and really have it be a targeted uh, program. I think it's a deliberate giveaway is the best kind of giveaway. You have to think about what do big corporations do? If they have a new sunscreen out, they're not going to give it away in the middle of the winter. Okay, so hang on to that thought. We're going into the national news break. We'll be back with more from Jane, the amazing Ubel Meyer, talking about book marketing and how you can take your book, successfully make it, and get it in the hands of the people who really need it. So hang on, everybody, and this is Laura Stewart. We'll be right back with more from It's All About the Questions. Welcome back, everyone, and we are here deep diving with Jane Newbell Meyer, uh, founder of Bedside Reading, Hampton Book Bags, so many businesses that I can't <laughs> even begin, begin to tell everybody everything that she's done. So I will be posting on the podcast portion of the show uh, links on, on everything she's doing and what you can find out about her, but we are focused with the queen of reinvention on book marketing, and if you missed the first half Please catch it on podcast anywhere your favorite podcasters are shown. And by the way, we hit a couple of weeks ago 135 ranking in the U.S. in all of the U.S. for iTunes for entrepreneurship. So thank you to all my fans for helping us do that. Jane, during the break, oh my God, we had so much fun talking about stuff, and we were talking about what makes a bestseller, what's the most important marketing thing an author can do. What is the most important part of the book? So I'm just going to let you dive in. Okay. So the first thing, you know how people say you can't judge a book by its cover? Well, they're wrong. (laughs) The cover of the book is the most important thing because when you look, I have, one of the things that I do is every single month we photograph 20, 30 books of our clients. And then we take that photograph and we place that photograph in Women's World and First for Women and all the Bauer Media, and we do online giveaways. And my photographer and I really look at each book cover, and we kind of look, we look at it and we go, oh, my God, look, how, look at this. This is awesome. This is terrible. What were they thinking? And the key is when you're designing a book cover, number one, go to a professional. Do not think that you can do this by yourself. That's crazy. Um, number two, I want you to look at other best-selling books in your genre. What do they have in common? Where is the name of the author? What's the font look like? What are the colors? Because when you're diving deep into your book cover, you have to figure out what's the genre. So, Laura, you have this book, your first book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? And as you and I discussed, it looks like a beautiful cover, but it looks like it's fiction. And what I would like you to do is look at some of the, your favorite business books. You know, one of the, my favorite covers is a book called uh, The One Thing. Another cover is Who Moved My Cheese. Another cover is um, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And now what do they all have in common? What they have in common is a white background, really bold font, and high contrasting colors, black on white, is, you know, our brains, when we were uh, learning how to read, we were, or our DNA already tells us that our brain recognizes black font on white. 
So when you reverse it, it's a disconnect in our brain. So you want to make sure that you have a dark color font on a white background for a business book. You don't want to make the uh, an image. You, number one, you know how people used to put their photograph of themselves on the book, on the cover? Right. Don't do it. It's very 80s, very 80s, 90s. You are not Richard Branson. We wish you were, but you're not. Richard Branson, Jack Welch, all those people, they're allowed to do it. At this level, my, my goal for you would be is get your name out there as big as possible because that's your brand, correct? Yes, absolutely. You, you are, so the cover, the name of the book is actually irrelevant. The most important part of that cover, it's the design and it's your name because you will have subsequent books. And as the books come out, we as readers want to look for your name. And every single book, it should be the exact same font, the same position, and the same color so that we can recognize it and it becomes part imprinted in our subconscious. If you think about Michael Connolly and John Grisham and all those big bestsellers, the minute you see their name, you know what you're getting. And we can't even remember the names of John Grisham's book, He's Done So Many, or Michael Connolly. We don't know. Look at Louise Penny. I love her. She has her 15th novel out. I can't tell you the name of one of her books, but I see that name, and I go buy the book. Absolutely. I get it. That's, so your brand, is your name is your brand, and you need to be consistent and be bold and be big. And look at other people in your genre. You know, look at Amazon and look at the top 10 or 20 or 100, or not hundreds too many, top 25, you know, best-selling business books, and that's what, or self-help or whatever your genre is, and that's what I would emulate. The colors, the font, doesn't have to be exact, and get a professional to do it. And And that's something interesting, because everybody who gets a deal with some kind of publisher or they're self-publishing, whatever they may be doing. But especially if they have a contract with somebody, they just think, oh, they're going to do my cover for me and I have to accept the cover that they've chosen. Is that true in your opinion? Or should the author participate in that? Because you and I had an interesting conversation about that during the break. You know, I definitely, the author should participate. I've, I've spoken to many people that are published by the big publishing publishing houses, and they do have a, it's not that they have a say, it's a collaborative effort. So if the author has a concept, and it's part of the marketing discussion about what's going to work for that book. And absolutely, if you hate it, what the, what the publisher has done, you've got to stand your ground. And you have to say, we need to change this. This is not going to work. Because at the end of the day, that designer goes off to the same job or another job or leaves the the company. I mean, this is a book for life. This is your book. So have a voice and stand your ground. Okay. That leads me to another question, because this just came up with somebody that asked me to read an early edition of their book. I I get asked a lot to give my opinion of books and, and introduce people to agents or publishers. And the person who sent it to me, the book was horrible. I mean, it, it didn't have a good thread to it. This was a nonfiction book. It right. was all over the place. And I said, okay, well, you know, I get the idea of what you're trying to do, but you really need to have an editor, a really good editor, look through this book before it can ever be submitted 
And they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. They'll fix all of that up. What's your feelings on the editing of the book? Okay. What a great question. So listen, my dad is 88 years old, and he's publishing his first novel in October. Oh, my God, I want to read that. And it's fabulous. It's a novel, and it's called The Birth Mother. So he get, and he's with a hybrid publisher. So it's a division of Simon Schuster called Archway. So what happens is that my dad went through the book and is, you know, wrote the book and he sent it in. And what happens with their contracts? Now, I wasn't part of the whole decision to go with his publisher. I wasn't part of any of that. But he said to me, he did. But when he came back, you know, they had some comments, but it really needed to be an expert proofreader before submitting to any publisher, number one. Number two, you need to get an editor because once you submit the manuscript to the publisher, you don't want to have to go back 20 times for different corrections. You want to go back once or twice. And my father submitted the manuscript, in my opinion, a little bit too soon. Um, and so eventually he hired, you know, a proofreader and their editors are great and we love them. And so now the book is finally ready, but it took a long time of back and forth. So I'm not sure how other publishers do it, how many proof, if it's a hybrid, how many changes you're allowed to make before they start charging you for the changes. So in my opinion, get with a proofreader, get with an editor, and before you submit to the publisher. Yeah, I kind of look at it as after somebody gets past the cover of the book, if you've marketed the book and people are starting to buy it, it becomes a content of the book that continues the marketing and allows it to keep going. If a book you put by a bedside table, which you would never do, because um, I, I know you well enough, isn't that great, then bad press is going to start happening from it. It's not that it's bad press. It's just that, you know, we, uh, so business books are really, a lot of them, that are written and as lead generation, right? Right. L- lead generators. So if you have a book, that's poorly edited with, without the thread. It doesn't look good. Why do you think that's going to get you clients? Good point. Why do you think? I mean, there was a guy years ago, and I probably I will not name names here, but there was a guy that's a big speaker and a lot of following, and he would say, "Doesn't matter. Just get the book out. It doesn't have to be perfect." I think he's wrong. I think that if you put your name on something, it better be pretty good pretty as perfect as you can make it because it is a lead generator and it is somebody's looking at you you know when you send out a letter with typos and you know imperfect grammar what does that say about you it says that you're not thoughtful and it says that you're not i mean educated so if you want to be hired then it better look as professional as possible okay and what do you think makes a book a bestseller so the first thing is the cover, as I mentioned. The second thing is you need a layered approach. I believe 1,000% in podcasts. Podcasts are selling books. We know that. Or radio shows. That go to radio books. shows, the same thing. Radio shows, podcasts are selling books. So that's number one. That's number two. So the cover, and you have to have a real strategic marketing program. Where, figure out who's going to buy your books and figure out where these people are, and you have to figure out how to get the attention of that particular demographic. If the, the book is geared towards women, 
Is it women who stay home? Is it women who work? Is it women who are caretakers? Is it women that are older? What's the age group? Where are they? Where do they hang out? And that's where you have to market in, to those people in that in those places. And it is no longer one thing that makes a, a bestseller. It is now 30 things that make a bestseller. It's influencers. It is publicity. It is bookstagrammers. It is Instagram is very important. It's the radio shows, it's the podcasts, it's the um, media, it's reviews, articles, being out there when it's topical. So that's really important. I mean, if you think about your book, Laura, right, and, and about, you know, what do women, what would a wise woman do, right? Right. And right now in the media is the book by the two New York Times writers about the Harvey Weinstein case. That's all over the news right right now, right? Right. So if I were you, I would take your, because you're an author of this book, and I would send emails, respond online to people who are commenting about this particular Harvey Weinstein book. And as an author, you get to comment, you get to give your opinion, and on the bottom of your comment, you say, you know, um, Laura Stewart is, Laura Stewart, comma, author of What Would a Wise Woman Do? Because you're speaking about women, and the whole book is about women speaking out and speaking up about an injustice that occurred to them through this horrible monster, Harvey Weinstein. Right, so, and my book is about asking the right questions that maybe would have prevented people from making the choices they made that got them into the situation in the first place. That's right. So you, as an expert, get to actually talk about this topical issue. And that's how you keep your name constantly forward, whether it's LinkedIn or whether it's uh, blogs or, you know, other New York Times, write a letter to the New York Times from your perspective, what would a wise woman do, and give your two cents. It doesn't have to be long. You just have to say, bravo to these two writers, because these are, there are certain questions women have to ask themselves. Is this situation enhancing and helping me in life, or is it degrading me? That's a simple, great question, isn't it? It's a brilliant question. So, that's, so you, as the author of your book, could go to the New York Times and say, bravo to these two authors from the New York Times who wrote this book. That's what I would do if I were you. And I would find their publisher, and I would respond. The publishers have blogs and online on Instagram and um, LinkedIn and anywhere that people are talking about this book, you put your two cents in there. Because what you're doing, you're just adding your name to the mix and then a link to Amazon to where people can buy your book. And that applies to anybody with any book is to That's look right. at topical issues is what I'm getting you you say, Jane. It, it's not, you know, use me as a case example, which I've written tons of notes and I can go back to the recording and, and replay. It's looking at all of those things and that other people are doing. I love that idea. Now, somebody who's had a book out, like mine was out before, the question always becomes, can you relaunch your book? And it really sounds like if you're doing these things, 
your book is always kind of relaunching. So if you have a business book, so listen to this. We have a book um, in our program called The One Thing. It was, it was published in 2000. And we, uh, last year we placed it in five hotels. We took a book that's been out before and we gave it another life. And we get, gave it lots of publicity and lots of exposure because it's still relevant today. Just like your book is still relevant today, even more so today. Because what would a wise woman, you know, in the, it, any, any author, even if it's an older book, you know, add more value to it, update it, and then give it a fresh cover, and you can put in this out as a revised edition or updated revision. And do respond and connect to topical issues that are hap- happening today. You know, one of the joys of my life, Laura, is that whenever I get a client that comes to bedside reading, I actually love brainstorming with them. That's the thing that makes my – look, I'm a former TV news producer for 25 years. So get me my juices going. How can I help this author? How can I get them to another level? And I love brainstorming with them. Um, we have a client that just came out with a book called uh, – it's called Win by Losing. And it's about relationships between men and women. And I went, oh, my God, what a brilliant title, Win by Losing. And I said to him, you know what, we're, we're actually planned a brainstorming session on Friday. It's going to be win by losing for businesses, win by losing in career, win by losing with your finances, win by losing. He's got a great concept, and I believe that this guy can take it to, these writers can take it to another level. And it's a great, fun book. I, was, I read it, and I said, this is really great because my, my husband and I have a great relationship, but a lot of people can really get some insights into men and women's relationships, win by losing. So when you come into my world, bedside reading, I get to use my brain and whatever genius I have, my intellectual capital, and give it all I can to that author, and I love it. So that is my passion. That's not the thing that I excel at, and I love it. You are definitely living your your passion with, I mean, everything you've done, but this bedside reading and all the years I've known of you, known you, you know, even with the Hampton book bag and all the, you know, Madison and Mulholland, by the way, I still wear my sunglasses all the Oh, that's funny. That's <laughs> love funny. Those my sunglasses. sunglasses. They were big heads. of them, but... Um, you would shut down the website. And no, actually, actually, the website, believe it or not, listen to this, Madison and Mulholland is still around. I have not shut down the website because I had to keep it up, and I still have to keep it up until the end of 2019 for tax reasons. So um, people can still buy products on there. I don't really promote it that much, but, you know, I was in the reading glasses business when I had my celebrity gifting business because I was on an airline going from New York to L.A. I had, United Airlines was my client. I left my reading glasses at home, so I designed reading glasses. I sold thousands and thousands of reading glasses on United Airlines. I still have them left over. So, and, but I only focused on business reading, but I happen to have the Madison and Mulholland website still up. Oh, but, good, because I need to buy – I'm going to get more sunglasses before you – I don't need, I don't know if we have more sunglasses. You'll have to I, – I, honestly, I don't know what's left over. But reading glasses, we definitely have reading glasses, which is funny. But you know what? Let's, I want to talk about my passion. Think yes. about selling products. It's a product. 
the thing about I do, so if I'm looking at my legacy in my life, and everybody should be looking, what are they giving to the universe? How are they helping people? I really am helping authors because it's because I love it, because it makes me high, because that's my my drug of choice. Because when I get an author and I and they rank me letters, oh my God, you're this, you're that. Um, it's the most joyous thing that occurs in my life, and it what it is. It's my years and years as a TV producer in business, having done all kinds of different things. It's culminated into helping authors get to another level at bedside reading. So how do people reach out to you and get more information and subscribe to get your emails and all of that other great stuff, or if they would like to hire you to help them? The best thing to do is there is an application form. So we don't take anybody. So, number one, they have to apply, and there's an application form on bedsidereading.com, number one. Number two, once I vet the book and I, and I talk to the author and see if it's a good fit, then I go to my hotels. They have to vet it. So it's not that easy to get into my hotels because the hotels won't just take anybody, and that's just the way it is. So what we try to do is, you know, make sure it's a good fit for everybody. It's got to be a win-win-win. Win for the author, win for the hotel, and a win for me. If I cannot help the author, I tell them straight out, this is not the right fit for us. So they just have to go to bedsidereading.com. There's a button there. They can click, and they can fill out the application form. It's short, but it gives me a sense of, who, you know, when was the book published? What does the cover look like? Is it content that's appropriate for five-star luxury hotels? You know, we are at the Waldorf Astoria, Chicago, the Waldorf Astoria, Beverly Hills, the Fairmont in Santa Monica, the Mandarin Oriental, New York, the Mandarin Oriental, Washington, D.C. We have 24 hotels. And by the way, the Hamptons program is still going strong. We just rebranded it as Bedside Reading Hamptons. So, I love that. That's brilliant. You know, we take what we do very seriously. We're dealing with the best brands of hotels in the world. I would never do anything to tarnish them. On the other hand, I would never do anything to tarnish an author. So it's got to be the right fit for everybody. And not every book is the right fit. Right. Okay, so last thought before we have to end the show. My best advice is before you're going to write a book, think about the book as a business. You can spend all a year writing a book, but who's going to finance the marketing? So start thinking about sponsorships now. Start thinking about people that would find value in your book and have them sell your book or provide money and create a plan, a marketing plan. I recently had an author approach me because their book hadn't been very successful with their marketing, and I asked them how long they had been marketing it, and they said, oh, just a few months. And then they stopped. What, do you, what would you say to an author who is no longer marketing their book? Or okay, so, ta- so there's a book called um, The Murder List by Hank Philippi, uh, Philippi Ryan. She's brilliant, and she's a 36th Emmy Award-winning documentary, I mean, uh, news producer and reporter for a, a TV station in Boston. Every single day, she's out there on Every medium, whether it's LinkedIn, 
Oh, actually, let me just think about this. Uh, I know on Instagram, I know on Facebook, and probably on LinkedIn. But I will tell you, she is out there every single day pushing, 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 and she does not let up. She's on a book tour. She's pushing. Every day I get emails about her, what she's doing, what's going on. And you know what? You should follow her. First of all, the book is brilliant, and I loved it, and I was up till 4 o'clock in the morning. And I always say to her, Hank, you owe me, like, a, a good night's sleep because I lost a night reading her book. But the thing about it is that she's the exact person that I would mimic and emulate in terms of book marketing. Find somebody who is a best-selling author and see what they've done and do what they do. Always push out the book. It doesn't take a few months. It can take six months, a year. Push, 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 push. Don't. You have to constantly be on it. It's not going to sell itself. That's such great advice, Jane. And, uh, you know, I, my book every so often hits back up at the top 10 or 20 or whatever it may be and lists around the world. And I can always track it exactly to when I talked about the book or I posted something on social media or I was on a podcast or something. It's very easy to make a big shift with a small amount of consistent movement. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Jane. I'm grateful to have you here as always. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everybody, and remember the right questions can change your life. If you need some help with book marketing, go see Jane at bedsitereading.com. And for anything else that you might need some help with, reach out to me. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.